and winemaking our I think our biggest goal is at least at least mine as a winemaker and I'm sure I hope other winemakers would agree is that we sit with this amazing thing terroir and uh, the biggest goal of a winemaker is to be able to reflect where the grapes come from and to do it in an honest way and I believe that this way of wine ma- of farming true truly does that to the utmost extent um and then of, of course the way you make the wine has also got a got a role to play but at the end of the day everything starts and ends with the grapes you I'm talking to Barbara Mount today. She's the winemaker at Reineke Wines. Hi, Barbara. It's so lovely to meet you here on Zoom. Same to you, Petra. It's lovely. It's lovely to meet you. <laughs> um, have you have you finished now with the harvesting? Yes, we're done. We luckily we finished um, quite early, which which I think was a was a was a big blessing because um, I know a lot of people struggled with with. We had a large amount of rainfall now towards the end of the season, okay. um, which I know delayed kind of delayed the finish for a few producers. But luckily, we managed to get everything in before the rain, <laughs> which okay. is great. Yeah. So you are the winemaker at Reineke Wines. Yes, 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 I am. And yeah. you are a, a, the the wines I, I read is biodynamic and organic. Yes. Yes, they are. Explain um, that to me. <laughs> Organic, so, I know a little bit, but but biodynamic. What biodynamic? Does that mean? Um, yeah. So just to, to kind of let's see if I can put it in a nutshell. It's, um, okay. So with organics, the the idea usually is that you don't that you try and stay away from chemicals as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So. For instance, you instead of using herb, herbicides, you have to kind of use manual mechanics to remove weeds. Um, in terms of, so you can't spray pesticides, fungicides. You're quite limited in terms of what you allow to use. Um, and then in terms of vineyard nutrition. You can you can only use organic fertilizers, so that is chicken manure and things things like this. Um, so organics, kind of the idea is to it's it's a bit more of a sustainable way of of farming. Um, with biodynamics, we kind of take that to the the next level. So. Oh, okay. um, if you if you think about biodynamics, it's it's they kind of three three pillars to it. Where um the one and that's kind of probably the most important one to us is trying to be as self-sufficient as possible. So trying to do everything on the farm. So what I would do, for instance, is we we've got this beautiful, beautiful herd of cattle on the farm. And um during harvest time, my skins and pips and stems, which kind of usually is a bit of a problem, a problem because it's it's a byproduct that kind of is left behind, and you've got to make a plan with it. This I get to feed to these beautiful, beautiful herd of cows. Wow! Um, they they each evening they are in a crawl, so they so they kind of come back to to a barn setting, and there I can feed them these grapes and stems, and then we can harvest the manure and the urine. From them to create these compost heaps, and that we can then Amazing. in turn feed back into into the vines. 
Well, so I, it's, it's, I, first, I first of all want yeah. to ask you, how did you discover that that they would eat it? Because you wouldn't think, I mean, I would I would just assume they eat grass. No, so they're actually they're actually quite cool in the in the tent. They love it. It's 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 really? a bit of a it's a bit of a problem in the evenings if we if we harvest a bit late and they're already back back kind of in in the crawl. We actually have to fight them off. It's <laughs> um it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of an issue to try and kind of get past them because they get so excited for for these grapes. Um, and and it's 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 fantastic. So yeah, so I get to feed them that. We get to harvest the the manure and then create compost heaps, and then these get fed back fed back into the vines. So so that's kind of the one the one idea of biodynamics to try and keep this closed system. You kind of see your farm as its own organism, and and within that you try and solve a lot of your problems that you could have kind of in terms of farming. Um, the second, second thing is, is you try and see things for their inherent value. So all our cows in the farm, they've all got names. Um, and the, the, the idea is that, that instead of just seeing a cow that can give you meat is you kind of, you kind of see it for, for the whole of what it can do. So, so we know, okay, our cows one we can sell them and we can we can um, we can sell them for for meat the other thing is we as i said i can we, we have this process where we can harvest the manure and we can use that to feed the vineyards and the other thing which are amazing at is now once harvest is done we send them in in between the vines and they help us control the weeds so they mm -hmm. go and they'll graze in between the vines and then and then we don't have to do weed management at this time of the year um so so you try and see see the value in things you look at we look at weeds for instance on the farm so a lot of people see weeds as, as problematic and there are some that are really problematic i mean if you if you look at quirk which is if you look at these weeds that are allelopathic that kind of try and kill off the things that that live around them that is a problem but then there are certain weeds that have that actually play an amazing role like in in south africa for instance we struggle with a disease in vineyards called leaf roll leaf roll disease it's a virus and we know that this virus is spread by a little insect called a mealybug and usually kind of if you're an organic farmer what you do is you'd spread very very poisonous pesticide to try and kill off these mealybugs so they don't spread and they don't spread this virus through through your vineyards um we as a biodynamic farm we can't do that but what we have realized is that the mealybugs, because once once we started farming this way, we realized that the virus isn't spreading as much as we thought it would through the vineyards. And then we had a look and then we realized that these mealybugs preferred to live on the roots of the dandelions compared to living on the oh, vines. Okay. But so because we don't kill off the, the dandelions, they're going to live on their preferred host instead of migrating up into the vineyards. Um, so it's kind of this idea of, of seeing the value of what, what everything does and plays, plays a role in the farm. But now um, I just want to ask you there now, say for instance, a, a neighboring farm, um, they don't have the dandelions Would their bugs then come over to your farm. Yes, they do. But the, the nice thing is because we've got such a, such a diversity. So as I said, even if those, those bugs come, come over, They'll rather go sit on our dandelions than in our in our oh, vineyards. Okay. Mm. And I think especially with with 
pest control, one of uh, one of the biggest biggest ways to fight it is just to in, introduce biodiversity, because we know in nature nothing grows in a monoculture, but once we start farming, we create this monoculture which is actually which is devoid of diversity. And that's when you get these pests that come in and become a real problem because they they can multiply so quickly because there's just one host. Yeah. Where if you start bringing in diversity, it it starts changing a bit, and you don't sit with these with these big big problems. Um, our neighbours, they're the biggest problem is more kind of spray drift coming from from our conventional. Oh, I, mm. I think that's probably one of our biggest challenges, um, especially when it comes to our certification. So we are certified biodynamically which means we've got an inspector that comes out once a year and checks and just make sure that what we say we are doing we are actually doing but with that they do analysis on on our leaves and so forth and one thing that always comes up year after year is spray drift because oh, we have neighbors that farm conventionally they do spray spray chemicals and these tend to kind of drift over to our vineyards so I'd say from a, from a neighbor's side, that's that's the only only real problem we have. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, so back to biodynamics. So those mm-hmm. are the first two pillars. The third one is where so there's a bit of an esoteric side to to biodynamics. Um, and this third pillar is that so we, so we 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 work with certain preparations. Um, that are kind of set out by by the biodynamic principles. One that's very famous that most people probably know about is Preparation 500. Um, Here what we do is we take some cow manure, we put it in a horn, and then um, in autumn time we bury it. And it stays underground for the whole of winter, and then in summer it gets dug up again. And then this is, and then we use that manure that's that's spent time in the in the horn. We use that in winter time to spray on our soils. So once it's dug out, you dilute it in water. And the idea is that you kind of dilute it with a with a vortex. Um, if you talk about biodynamic principles, they believe that you kind of absorb the all the all the energy from the cosmos if if you do it like this. Wow. Um, but if you if if you think about it in a bit more of a scientific way, um, I like to rationalize things sometimes. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. you sit with a horn, which is a which is a natural porous material. Mm-hmm. You put in manure, which is something that's got a quite, quite a big bacterial um, content to it, and you bury it and you bury it underground uh, where, it, where things are, are moist and alive, and then you sit with this breakdown of the manure and you get get all these microbes that kind of that can move into this horn there's there's air circulation that goes through it and then kind of after winter if you take that out that is just a very very high concentration of microbes and if you dilute it and you bring in this air you kind of aerate it and you make and you get it you get some activity back into it so we spray that on our soils and and it's 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 a bit of an inoculum because then you inoculate your soils with these beautiful microbes that will kind of do all these amazing work for you in terms of upping your humus content and, and bringing some nutrient, nutrients back into the soil and also just with soil texture. Um, so with biodynamics, you work with these with these preparations. So that's preparation 500. Then there's a silica spray that we spray on our leaves, um, 
which is preparation 501 and that kind of that you spray and and the idea is that the silica solution that you spray helps your vines absorb sunlight because if you think oh, of silica it's 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 basically sand mm-hmm. um so if you spray that the amount of light reflection and concentration it's it's actually it's unbelievable if you see so our vineyard manager Sean for instance he's he is amazing he what he does is 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 absolute magic and he'll show me we'll we'll go through the vines and he'll say well look this block because usually spray during the growing season and say here you can see this block uh received 501 this one I still haven't and just the color difference really between the leaves Mm. One with a fiber one's been sprayed. It's it's this luminous, luminous green, and you can see there's just a liveliness to the vineyard. Um, and then and then there are preparations that we use within our compost. So within our compost heap, it's a bit, it's a bit like homeopathy. So it's it's you've got all these different plants that we use. So the one would be dandelion. We use valerian. We use uh, chamomile, oak bark. And all these kind of plants play a specific role within within your compost in terms of just just generating heat and, and conserving energy and and all these kinds of things. So that's that's the kind of the bit more of an, of the esoteric side of biodynamics. Um, and then but there's I also just, kind of a, yeah. I just want to ask you about the horns because I saw that on Instagram. I saw the picture of the two horns um, on the soil, and I was wondering yeah. about that. But you must have a huge amount that you then pl- um, uh, put under the soil. Uh, yes, yeah, so it is. So do, yeah, it is quite a big amount at the moment. Our farm is is too big for 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 the amount that we can do. So there's an amazing property um, in Wellington. It's called Bloblomikis, Bloblomikis Kluwer, and they kind of they probably the. The farm's probably the home of biodynamics in South Africa to an extent. Really? And they help they help us so we so we can buy in a few of our preparations from them, okay. mm. which which helps us just with a with the amount because <laughs> as you yeah. said, it would be it would be a lot of yeah. horns. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so interesting. I've never seen that and never heard of that, but it it makes absolute sense that um, you know, that you that you create these microbes that way. Yeah. The, yeah. Sorry, okay, yeah, continue with your, um, it was just fascinating for me, these horns that I saw the picture of. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, um, look, it is, it is a, it is a fascinating way of working. It's, um, I think the idea behind it is that you go a bit, you go a bit more to what farming used to be like, kind of before the whole green, green revolution, um, to kind of how people would have farmed hundreds of years ago. And there it was all, it was, it was had to farm with intuition and with feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's kind of what it, what it, what it moves back to. And it's, it's, it's a bit of a nod. Look, I, I tend to, I tend to think of myself as a scientific person. I had a, I did a science degree, but I still believe there are certain things in life that, can't be proven that kind of that there are there are still mysteries in the world and I think I think biodynamics kind of works in this in this area of 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 mystery which which is also cool like some things for instance if you talk about winemaking you can have a winemaker and a winemaker you can have one winemaker that does exactly the same as the other winemaker but there's a 
certain amount of intuition that also plays a role. You can be extremely practical and do everything right, but the person next to you might just might do the same thing, but there's something unsaid to the way he does it, and you can pick it up in the wine at the end of the day. Um, and I think I think with, with farming, there's a there's a similar aspect. And I think also it, we you know we talk a lot about organic farming, and and it uh, you know we don't have really the the understanding of what it is, but. If you if you talk now about the the this way of biodynamic, it's really a very natural way. It's really a very um, logical way to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. Look, it it is it is a labor intensive way of doing it. We, um, but we're also fortunate. I think we've been doing it for for such a long time that we've kind of made all the mistakes that okay. that, that can be made. So we've we've gone. We've gone kind of full circle. I think when when Johan started farming, or when he when he started, he had this idea that he just he just wanted to do good. He wanted to kind of change the way things have been done, and he had this first block of of vines that he said, "Well, here he's going to try and farm differently." And if you speak to him, he says everything went wrong. He had every single pest, every single plague, every single thing mm-hmm. that could go wrong went wrong. Um, and then he was lucky to come across this lady and she just said to him, listen, what, what you are doing is you are farming organically by neglect. You should change it and you should start farming organically by design. At the end of the day, you still need to be farming. If you just leave nature, nature's going to take over. And and I think there's there's a lot lot to be said about that. Um but yeah, as I said, it's 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 come a long way. It's um and we're still changing and we're still evolving and um there's still things that we're learning and 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 so forth along the way but i think that's that's the special thing about it it's not nothing's set in stone and this is the way you do it you adapt to nature you adapt to how the climate's changing and all these all these things along with it but now you're saying something very interesting because it's always this thing where do you start you know um and you said mm. now that he started with one block but do you think in the industry where everything is being done for for in a specific way for such a long time, for farmers it's a bit scary to to suddenly think, oh, I'm going to take this risk now. You know, I don't I don't yeah. know what's going to happen. No, that's 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 it is very true, and I think that's the I think that's the biggest hurdle when it comes to to people wanting to convert to to organic. So we get a lot of people that come to the farm and speak and want to hear about how we do things and are interested. But when it actually comes to pulling that trigger, some people would start a season and they say, "Okay, well, this season I'm gonna I'm gonna do it like this," and then they'll have then it would be a wet spring or a very damp spring, and people get nervous for mildew, and then they say, "Oh goodness." but I can't afford to lose my crop if I don't do this well. So then it's very easy just to quickly put through a spray and know you can sleep at night. Um, so there, there is definitely that that element to it where where, where people, people do get nervous because it goes against the way things have been done and things have been taught, taught to be done. I mean, the way, what, I, what I was taught at university and what we do at Rainica are completely different things. Um, but... At some stage, people are going to have to make that mind shift because we can't continue going on the way we are. I mean, agriculture is one of the biggest causes of global warming. 
and it's 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 all due due to the fact that to how we farm in, in a conventional sense. Um, so if we can just kind of make that mind shift and even and just just do it right, it it's it could make such a big change. I think the big thing also is that people people have forgotten how to farm. These days it's become so easy, so easy to farm. You've got 10 consultants that you can have on speed dial. They'll tell you exactly how to do things. This is the program you work with for this year. These are the things you have to spray. You do this, 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 you'll have a crop. Where um, where as I said, if you if you farm this way, you have to work a lot more intuitively. You have you kind of have to look at your weather forecasts because you don't, you're not working, you have to you have to continuously work preventatively. If something goes wrong, it's wrong. There's not much you can do about it. So you constantly have to think preventatively and how to avoid anything from going. So you've actually retrained yourself. <laughs> um, because I'm I not, not not hundred percent. So I think yeah. the principles always stay the same. I think oh, if you okay. if you understand okay. how a plant works, a plant will always work in the same yeah. sense it ever work. I think just uh, just the the execution can change. Mm. But now, uh, when you when you make the wine now, or uh, first, I want to ask: Do you think that w- the wine tastes differently because you're going through a totally different process? These chemicals and things that are sprayed on the grapes, or that that's then uh, say absorbed in this plant, do you think that that changes also the taste of the wine? I believe so. I think look in 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 winemaking we we speak about this term terroir, which is kind of an an amazing ability where wine has the the where wine has the ability to reflect where it's from. So if a vineyard is planted at a certain certain aspect at a certain altitude, it has the ability and on a certain soil type, the wine has the re- ability to reflect that. And when we speak about terroir, traditionally, it's always uh, it's always kind of been the climate, the aspect, the altitude, the soil type. These things influence your terroir. But something that people that we've realized also has a big, big effect on that is your soil, your soil health, and your soil microbiome. Um, and we we kind of saw that firsthand when we started converting to biodynamics and and the life started coming back to the soil. We had one block of Sauvignon Blanc, which was always very homogenous, very uniform. We used to harvest the whole block together and it all looked the same. Once the life started coming back to the soil of that block, the block started changing completely. The one side was, the one side became a lot more vigorous. The other side kind of stayed the same to what it usually was. And then the grapes just started tasting differently from these two portions. And then we started harvesting them separately. And the wine resultant wine also looked at a day and night's difference. And there's nothing, we didn't change anything else. Mm -hmm. The only thing we changed was the way we farm. And uh, so I I do believe it definitely, it definitely has an effect. It, 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 uh, it has an effect that the soil life has got, just got such a big role to play. And uh, if you, if you speak to, to people up, they say you can you can pick up a liveliness within the wine. Um, and uh, look in in winemaking, our I think our biggest goal is or at least at least mine as a winemaker, and I'm sure I hope other winemakers would agree, is that we sip of this amazing thing 
terroir. And uh, the biggest goal of a winemaker is to be able to reflect where the grapes come from and to do it in an honest way. And I believe that this way of wine of farming true, truly does that to the utmost extent. Um, and then, of, of course, the way you make the wine has also got a, got a role to play. But at the end of the day, everything starts and ends with the grapes you, you receive. But now when the, we're talking about the winemaking now, how what is the process uh, of for you then how you make the wine? So do you use um, natural fermentation or do you add? Yes. No, so I use all natural fermentation. Um, look, the way, the way I like to think about it is Johanna uh, Nishan, there's so much effort that they put into farming the grapes it would almost be like a sin if I had to go into the winery and try and tweak the wine in a certain in the way that I would like it to be um so I I try and tend I tend to work quite hands off just so I know that this the resulting wine can be as much of a reflection of of the grapes so I only really do um spontaneous fermentations I tend to work a lot with older oak, um, so as the oak doesn't have too much of a role to play. And if I work with newer oak, it's all um, very lightly, lightly toasted, toasted oak. So there's no really oak toastiness to the wine. Um, and then I also I I still work with sulfur, but I tend to I tend to work with it very cautiously. Um, and 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 try try to work with in a very responsible manner um as to not to kill the wine with sulfur but i still i still want to keep a purity within the wine um which if you want to do that unfortunately you need sulfur because it's our only 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 way only preservative that that we can use um and yeah, and then the the rest, yeah, as I said, it's all it's all just straightforward. Spontaneous fermentations on the red wines. I also don't want to extract too much. Um, because I the way I like to see it is that it's it's like when you make when you make a cup of tea. If you want to make a good cup of green tea, for example, you have to you can't leave the tea bag in the in the in the in the water for too long or the tea leaves because otherwise you just you just over extract and you just get a bitterness which is not which is not pleasant and i kind of view view red wine making in the same way i think you're naturally going to extract everything that you need to extract as soon as you start overworking the wine that's when you start extracting the things that you don't necessarily want in the wine um but in a, yeah that's in a nutshell kind of the philosophy when it comes to the winemaking yeah. do you but yeah. do you think people understand this you know that uh, we drink wine and and uh, you know t- taste the wine and drink the wine and social occasions but we don't really understand this whole process because you were talking now about just the farming itself and that's a whole story in itself. And then yeah. part of the winemaking come in. So is it not necessary that people start understanding also that the consumer also um, demand more in this way of farming, say, and the way of winemaking than just buying wine for the sake of buying? Um, 
I think it's it's tricky. The people people that understand it always going to understand it, but you've still got to serve the entire market. Now, I'll be honest. Even myself, on occasion, I'd find myself opening and drinking a bottle of wine or a glass of wine, and then in a social setting, you sit and sometimes you don't really concentrate on what you're drinking on, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's also fine. It's it's mm-hmm. I think I think wine is there to be enjoyed. It's 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 there to give pleasure and and you can enjoy it in in whatever way you see fit or you 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 would like to. It's an I think it's an added bonus if you if you truly appreciate it. It's um and there is a there is a space for that, but it's it's the same as if if you're an artist with a work of art, you know not everybody's going to look at that work of art with the same lens as art. yeah so. I'm, if it's an abstract piece of art, you're going to have some people that are going to walk by and say, well, you know what? I could have done that. Yeah. Where they don't understand the, th- the thinking process behind it. And, and it's, it's, it's always going to be that way, but it's not for me to crucify someone who, who drinks a glass of, of my wine and just kind of drinks it for the effect of it. Yeah. That's also fine. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's part of, part of the industry and it's part of life. It's, it's one of those things. Uh, yeah and it's yeah it's true what you're saying that not everybody has the same type of interest also in wine for some it's just you know just a social drink about that yeah (laughs) (laughs) but do you get people who are interested in your way of farming you know that they specifically buy the wines because of the way you farm oh definitely um so I think we definitely have a bigger a bigger market um, overseas because um, I think there people people understand biodynamics a bit more. And I think in South Africa, it's still a bit of a new concept. But I mean, we've we've been lucky to to receive some nice traction around our wines, and we've and we've managed to get to get people write about it, and people be very enthusiastic about it. Um, which which definitely which definitely helps, but it's I think the the majority of our consumer base would would be someone who who understands and and drinks it for for the quality of it and for kind of the the principles behind it. Now I want to ask you about you as a winemaker as well. Uh, how what made you interested in becoming a winemaker? Oh, for me, um, it's it's interesting. So I grew up in a family where wine was always quite prominent. Um, my grandfather used to work in the wine industry, and um, he he acquired a wine farm uh, just outside of Stellenbosch. So we kind of I I grew up partly on that farm and. Wine was just kind of always around, but it was never, never really something I, I thought about too too long or too hard. It was it was kind of something that was always there. And then when it came to time for me to study, I actually I wanted to study art. Really? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be an artist one day. This is what I'm going to do. And my father had one look at this pad and he said, "I'm sorry, it's not going to work. <laughs> you want to study art? I'm not going to pay for it." So I said, "Okay." <laughs> Then I had to make a different plan, and uh, and another interest of me at the time is uh, I I love cooking, so I love uh, kind of 
I love creating things. I love working with my hands. Um, but I also like kind of the flavors of things and and working with that. And then my aunt said on that, Barbara, why didn't you consider studying wine? At that stage, I never really thought about it. And when she said it, it was like a light bulb moment. It was like, really? I haven't I thought about this. <laughs> it's actually an amazing idea. So um, so that's kind of how how I ended up studying it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, but it's just a bit... it's it's a lot of science as well. But you were saying that you uh, you had an interest in art, so you are actually also now using that those skills or those talents that you have because you talked about having the intuition of how to make it and and of course the taste and and so many things awarenesses that you have oh well i i I, i'd hope so um it's 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 difficult for me to say because i said i said from 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 behind the chair so i'd hope someone would one day taste the wine and say she's got intuition when it comes to making wine okay. um it's it's but it, I, I do to an to an extent um I think people always always say that that winemaking is this amazing fusion between kind of behind between art and, and science and it is to a degree but I'd, I'd say from a daily basis I probably rely more on my science background than I do on my art background I think I think the art background I think if if you if you kind of if you if you if you think creatively it, it teaches you a different way of thinking and I think that yeah. that definitely helps me from a lot from a day-to-day basis it's I think everybody needs to have some experience in in creative thought because it's 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 an amazing it's an amazing way of problem solving and just trying to think of a different way to do things um so for that for that part, I'm 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 quite grateful grateful mm-hmm. for it. I do miss it every now and then. <laughs> really, <laughs> do, but do you do you paint or do you um what what do you do as a hobby or then? Not really. Yeah. I, I wish I still had the time. I've I, I dabble a bit in photography every now and then, but um something that I tend to forget and then I realize oh goodness I haven't really done anything creative in a while and then really? I'll find something so I'd, I'd go for a printmaking lesson or I'd try and paint something but I, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily very good so <laughs> it's probably a better thing I went to do <laughs> no but it's so interesting because I spoke to a viticulturist and she paints as well she's also she does art as well and yeah I find it so interesting these how uh, you're talking about science now, but I think there's such a great uh, connection between science and art, you know, and between maths and art. And it's 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 a pity that we don't have that uh, that art is such a um, or, or would I say on the same level, a scene on the same level as all those subjects like science and maths. Oh, that's definitely true because there's 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 a great link between it. I mean, if you have a look at a musician, for instance, there's always a big link. If you're a great musician, usually you have you have a great t- you have a tendency to be really good at maths at the same time because yeah. it's the same kind of thought thought process. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so there's there's definitely this this great link. I think it. it 
it also depends. Sometimes I think science can tend to be very much black and white mm. where it's, it's like this or it's not like this. If you, if you go into like true science and, and into uh, kind of the literature behind science and how things are done. So, so in that sense, probably not, but, I, but there's still kind of to, to think of a, a scientific study or to, to kind of think about what your, what your, what path you're going to take in science that I believe there's, there's an element of, of creativity to that. Absolutely. Um, so mm. there, there, there is a link and I, I do believe people should, should keep that link because as soon as that link's lost, life just becomes too, too black and white. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. So now uh, about your wines, um, what, what types of wines do you make at Reineke? We've uh, we've got an array. We've we make um, two types of Sauvignon Blancs. One that's kind of a, a blend of of all the vineyards on the farm. So we're quite lucky. We're we're situated on on the Polka Dry Hills, which is a ward just outside of Stellenbosch. It's this beautiful little hill. It's 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 all granitic soils, um, and we're quite close to False Bay. So if you stand on top of the hill, you can kind of see the entire False Bay. From right. Hunclip to Cape Point. And then if you look on the other side, you see the entire Stellenbosch and all the surrounding mountains. So it really is, it really is a pretty farm. Um, but but with that, it has this amazing ability to create these great grapes when it, when it comes to winemaking. So we've got Sauvignon Blanc, which is nice because we've got this proximity to the ocean. There is a cooling effect, which which really helps in terms of Sauvignon Blanc. Um then we've got two beautiful, beautiful old vineyards of Chenin Blanc, um, the one planted in 1974 and the other one in 1976. Um, so we make a lovely Chenin out of that. And then um, on the red side, we've got Syrah, um, and Syrah does really well on, on the Polka Dry Hills. I think the Polka Dry Hills is um, getting a lot more traction when it comes to the Syrah that's produced from there. Uh, and then we've got Cabernet Sauvignon and Cabernet Franc. Um, so it's it's not a it's, it's in South African terms it's it's not a big variety but it's it's big enough for us and, and we we're very happy with the quality we get from it. Are you also part of the old vine project with the older vines that you have? Yes, we are. So our so our Shannon is part of the old vine project, um, which is which is really amazing and exciting for us. Oh, and yeah. it's 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 a great it's a great project to be part of and an amazing initiative. I'm fascinated by that project. I, I absolutely love the idea. I think there's so much about that, you know, that's um that's so great and that yeah, it's it's something that I that I also am very interested about. Yeah, that it's done and also how it's done in South Africa. So and it's great because we we should we really should preserve our heritage. We've got yeah. such a rich heritage when it comes to to vineyards and and winemaking in South Africa, because we we're kind of in people talk about old world and new world, and South Africa is still seen as old world. But kind of when we started planting grapes here, it's a lot earlier than any of the other new world countries. So we're kind of stuck in the middle, um, and we've got this really rich heritage that comes comes behind that and this this project is just such a great initiative and in kind of trying to preserve preserve that heritage that we have 
Well, Barbara, it was so lovely to talk to you um, and so interesting. I love this way of farming. I would love to come and visit you one day to see how you do it because it's it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, no, you, you, please, you're more than welcome. You can come to yeah. the farm anytime. We can show you, I can show you around and show you all the new projects that we've got going. It's, it's especially now, it's a very exciting time in the farm. Really? Yeah. No, I find yeah. this, uh, yeah, this, I find this biodynamic uh, way of farming really very interesting. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, just one last question what, what are the wishes for you now for the future? Oh, goodness. Um, well, on, on the farm side, we've, we've got very exciting things coming in the future. We've recently purchased the neighboring property and we're at the moment planting 40 hectares of vines, um, but very, very exciting kind of trying trying to, to plant vines that we know will one day hopefully be old vines and, and planting it in – a bit of a new way in terms of keep of keeping in mind kind of how our climate's going to change going forward. So we planted it with at a bit of an altitude. The slope slopes are a bit steeper than what we usually plant vines on in South Africa. But with that, we've had a few things to mitigate the steepness of the slopes. We've pulled contours within within the hillside in order to be able to harvest the water that falls. Because um, we know that our rainfall is going to become less and less and less. And then when it actually it does going to rain, it's going to be a lot of rain at once. So um, we've also shortened the rows of our vineyards in order to mitigate the erosion, to know that if that big amount of rainfall comes, if we don't sit with soil washing away. Um, we've got a big biodiversity project happening where we are. Um, so we've got a amazing um, indigenous um, endangered rhinoceros felt on the farm. So we're harvesting fanbos out of that rhinocerfelt in order to put wow. in corridors in between our vineyards um, to increase biodiversity. Um, so from from a farming perspective, that's that's some very exciting things that happen that are happening in the future. Um, for for me personally, I think there's the, hopefully just to 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 grow with Rainica and to grow with the brand and and to be able to make some exceptional exceptional wines. <laughs> amazing well this is amazing project that that's coming up i'm going to i hope uh, you post on instagram because i'm following you and and watching <laughs> what you're doing <laughs> so that would be amazing to see sure thing no, I'll, I'll i'll make sure to to put some posts up <laughs> okay <laughs> okay barbara have a yeah. lovely day in the beautiful uh stellenbosch oh thank you and same to you and um thank you this was this was lovely i hope i yeah. talked some sense <laughs> yeah, you <did>. Absolutely. <laughs> okay barbara okay have a nice day enjoy thank easter you. weekend thank you you too yeah thank you bye yes. <laughs>